Good morning. Hope you're all enjoying the service so far. Worship was amazing. Wow, like what a setting for God to do something in our lives. And I really feel like, like God wants to minister to us this morning. Even through the word, as I've been prepping and, and, and praying for today, I feel like God wants to minister to people this morning. There's something he wants to do in your heart. So I want to encourage you to lean in, to be open to what God's wanting to say to you this morning. And so we're in a series called Radical Togetherness. It's all about relationships. And as we talk about relationships, I was reminded this week of how inter- um, how important relationships are. Not just important, they are life. It is what life is all about, is about relationships. And so I was looking at a couple of surveys, and what stood out to me was they took, um, they compared life uh, satisfaction with relationship satisfaction. And people that had at least one relationship that they were connected in, where they felt known, felt seen, felt heard, one relationship where they ranked way higher on the life satisfaction um, line. So our relationships are connected to our life satisfaction. It doesn't matter how successful we are in other areas of our lives. If our relationships are not bringing some sort of satisfaction, then we're not enjoying life. And so if we're not winning in our relationships, then we're not winning at life. If we're losing in our relationships, if we're not feeling fulfilled in our relationships, then we're actually not winning at life. And so through this series, we want to help you to win at life. We want to help you to grow strong, healthy, life-giving relationships so that you can live the life that God intended you to live. One of the statistics that really made me really sad was about around marriage. They said that one in every three people that are married feel lonely in their marriage. They feel disconnected. They're in the one relationship that's meant to be the strongest and the most fulfilling and the most intimate, and yet they feel alone. And so statistically, there's a lot of you in this room this morning that can relate to that. And their conclusion to the research was that when couples stop sharing their deepest thoughts their feelings and their experiences with their partner, they feel disconnected and alone. And so it comes down to vulnerability. In our relationships, when we're not able to be vulnerable, or we're not able to share our feelings with each other, we end up feeling disconnected and alone. And so today, I wanna talk on taking down the walls. What are those walls that are stopping us, hindering us from being vulnerable with somebody else? Just one person, one relationship. What are the things that's stopping us from letting people in to see who we really are and trusting people enough to be vulnerable? These walls are protective measures. So they, they, we form them from when we're children. The first time we rejected, we're like, oh, that doesn't feel nice. There goes the first block on the wall. And it's not conscious, it's subconscious. So these are subconscious protective measures that we've put in place. Every relationship where we've been hurt, where we've been been abused, where we've been um, neglected, where our parents weren't 
providing in the way they should or supporting us in the way they should, these walls have been built up to protect us. And when you're children, these walls are helpful because we're not, you're not in a space where you can um, contemplate what's happening. You, you're, not, you're not ready to deal with those kind of big emotions or feelings yet. And so the, the walls help you. But as you become a teenager and an adult, they actually bring more harm than good because they hinder us. They stop us from being able to connect emotionally with another person. And so today, as we look at walls and how to, how to take these walls down, I want to look at a story in the Bible, the story of Cain and Abel. And in the story, we see Cain not dealing with his emotional walls, not doing what, not taking them down, and how that affects his life radically, and how he has to suffer the consequences of not dealing with his emotions. And so we find the story in Genesis 4, verse 1 to 16. Cain and Abel are brothers. They are the children of Adam and Eve. So this is literally the first family in the Bible, and it is dysfunctional. And so there's hope for us, right? <laughs> okay, the Bible is full of dysfunctional families, actually. But we can see how God helps us in that. And so when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but the Lord did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And so Cain has, Abel has brought his best to God. He's honored God. He's brought the best of what he has as a gift to, of gratitude to God. And Cain, it says, has just brought some of his crop. And so God ends up not accepting Cain's gift because he didn't bring his best. The heart matters. Something in his heart wasn't right in he, him bringing his sacrifice. But God accepts Abel. And then God says to Cain, why are you so angry? The Lord asks Cain. Why are you so angry? What is happening in your heart? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager to control you. You must subdue it and be its master. And so Cain is angry, and God's saying to him, Cain, what is happening in your heart? What's happening right now? Look at those emotions. What's going on? Because if you don't, if you don't look at those emotions, take responsibility for what is happening inside of you, those emotions are going to control you. And they're going to cause you to do something that you're not wanting to do. Sin is crouching, waiting to control you. You must subdue it and be its master. Then one day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? But the Lord, but the Lord said, Oh, sorry, I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? 
Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. For now, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And so because Cain didn't give attention to his emotions, he didn't give attention to what was happening inside of him, it ended up controlling him. And through his emotions that were unchecked, he ended up committing murder, killing his brother. And then he had to suffer the consequences of separation from his family, of, being, of not being able to live in his homeland, of being a wanderer for the rest of his life, and of, of life being hard for him. All because he did not check his emotions. And so as we talk about taking down these walls, we're talking about checking our emotions, figuring out what's happening inside of us so that we can come to a place of intimacy with people. And so the first step in taking down these walls is asking ourselves the question, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? We need to think about what we're feeling. We need to notice what's happening inside of ourselves. God was saying to Cain, Cain, notice what's happening. Why are you so angry? Take note. Our feelings are our body's way of telling us something. So they're telling us something. That, that feeling might not be right. Often it's not. But it's still real. So our feelings are real. They're there for a reason, and we have to listen. We have to take note, because if they are not checked, they can cause damage. If we ignore and excuse our feelings, they will end up controlling us. Cain didn't have to kill Abel. God gave him a way out. He showed him a way out. What was that way? To ask ourselves, what am I feeling? We have to take responsibility for what's going on inside of us. And so I want to look at some unhealthy ways to deal with strong feelings. What not to do. Okay, this is the what not to do list. How, when, we, when we feel those strong feelings in conflict, in a work situation, at home, under pressure, what should we, be, what we, sh should we not be doing with those feelings? The first one is excuse them. I'm just tired. It's been a stressful month. You know, I'm just a passionate person. God, it's just who I am. No, those emotions are showing you something. Because what happens next month when it's another stressful month? And the month after? And the month after that? Or life becomes stressful? Then you're just going to live in that space. Those emotions, those situations are putting pressure on you and what is inside is coming out. It's not the situation's fault. It's not the people's fault. It's not your husband. It's not your boss. That is already inside of you. Yeah. And so we need to take note of what is coming out in pressured situations so that we can be like, whoa, where did that come from? What was that? Why was I so triggered in that moment? What was I feeling? and take time to process those feelings. That is what God was telling Cain to do. So we can't excuse them. Secondly, numb them. Okay, we shouldn't numb them. It is not nice to feel these feelings, when, especially when we feel inadequate, 
You feel inadequate as a parent or a husband or in your job? That feeling is yucky. That's not a nice feeling. Or when we feel feelings of shame or feelings of anger, those are not nice feelings to feel. And so we don't want to feel them. I don't want to feel rejected. And so we try to we try, do whatever we can to not feel that. A big one is distraction. Okay, yeah. social media, watching series. If I just scroll on my phone, I, I can look at other people's problems and be like, shame, poor you. <laughs> you know, I don't actually have to look inward and feel what I actually should be feeling. I can just distract from it. Or I can numb it by filling my life with something that'll make me feel good in that moment. And often this is where Satan tempts us the most. He tempts us to just distract ourselves from feeling anything. And when you're feeling these deep feelings, sin looks so much more attractive. Because you know what, if I just fall into this sexual pattern or I fall into this trap, I'm going to feel good. There's going to be a dopamine hit and I'm going to feel amazing for a moment. And then it's going to make me feel worthy. It's going to make me feel wanted. It's going to make me feel good. But it's a lie. Because then you're stuck in a shame cycle of the same thing over and over. Because that will only last a moment. And then your feelings are still there. It doesn't deal with anything. They just come up the next time you're in that situation. And so we can't numb them. Thirdly, project them. This is what Cain did. He didn't want to own his failure. He didn't want to own his insecurity. And so he projected it on his brother. And he got angry with Abel instead. And there's a great quote by John English. It says, those things we cannot accept in ourselves, we project upon others. If I do not admit my shadow side, I will unconsciously find another who will carry my shadow for me. Once this projection is made, then I need not be upset with myself. My problems are now outside, and so I can fight them out there, rather than within the real arena, myself. Isn't this exactly what Cain did? He didn't own anything, and so he projected it on his brother, and then he could fight that. And he did fight it, and he ended up killing him. Lastly, we, can run, we mustn't run away from them. It's so easy to be like, oh, unfriend, I don't need this in my life. This is a drama, you know. But maybe these relationships aren't bad. Maybe it's actually putting pressure on for a reason. Maybe it's bringing something out of you that you actually need to deal with. So it's easy to just escape the relationships or to say, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to have a, I'm never going to be vulnerable with a friend again. I'm never going to, you know what, I'm just going to find a different relationship. You know what, I can try a different job. But you're going to be at your next job. You're going to be in your next relationship. And so are all those things inside of you. Because wherever you are, wherever you go, there you will be. So you can change jobs, but you're still going to find those same feelings coming out just in a different scenario, in a different setting. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's a pattern here. Maybe it's me. Okay. So those responses, excusing them, numbing them, projecting them, running away from them, they reinforce these walls. They keep these walls strong. They add blocks. They build it stronger. They don't help. And so we need to find a healthy way to deal with strong feelings. And so what are healthy ways to deal with strong feelings? Well, what did God say to Cain? He said, but you must subdue it 
and be its master. The word subdue means to overcome or to bring under control. And so you must become the master of your feelings. We need to master our feelings. We need to take responsibility for what's happening inside of us. And the first healthy way to deal with strong feelings is to acknowledge them. To take time to feel what you're feeling. What am I feeling? Sit with that feeling. Why am I feeling this way? What is the need between, beneath the feeling? But this kind of processing is really hard to do in the moment. Because you see, these walls are not actually nice little soft box walls. They're like those steel gates that fall down. You know in the movies where someone triggers an alarm and suddenly in a second it's like whoosh. Yeah. And there's this like gate that's fallen down and that is immovable. That's the kind of walls we have in our life. Somebody says something and it's like yeah. And now, it, now there's nothing coming through. So how do you stop that in the moment? How are you like, wait, words. It's okay, I don't need this wall. Okay, I need to stop and think about my feelings. Okay, it doesn't happen in the moment. It's really hard to do in the moment. Or when we're in God and ourselves into such a deep place, dark place, where we're feeling all this like self-loathe or um, just ugly feelings. How can we be like, okay, what am I feeling? You're like, well, I feel all the emotions. Okay, how do I decipher that? It's hard in those moments. And so we actually need to take time outside of these moments to process our feelings. We have to put time and space into our lives where after the fact, once it's cooled down, you're calm, you can actually think, yo, what happened there? Why did I respond the way that I responded? Why was I so harsh with my kids? What was really happening inside of me? Sure, that was a, a trigger of respect, like, like I felt disrespected. And then you can start uncovering the truth. But it, it's very difficult to do in the moment. So I want to encourage you, take time outside of those moments to process and to acknowledge your feelings. And then we need to sift out any lies and we need to own the truth. So we need to sift out the lies and then own what is true. So to sift out the lies, we need to realize that often our feelings are not actually based on truth. They're based on our perception or maybe on an assumption. And they're based on our walls on how we see things or perceive things through our protective measures. So often it's not even the truth. And so we need to take time to think, okay, is there any, are there any lies in this? And what was Cain's lie? Cain's lie was that he was unacceptable, that he was a failure, that he wasn't accepted by God. Did he fail? Yes. Did God not accept him in that instance in that, for that offering? Yes. Was he not accepted by God? No. God said to him, Cain, if you will do what is right, then you will be accepted. So he's saying, go, go and, and, and change this one thing, and then you will be accepted. And, but Cain was listening to the shame, okay? Shame says you're a failure. You're unloved. You're not wanted. You're never going to be accepted, that's shame, and that's the enemy. That's what Satan uses. He tries to make us feel, you're a bad person. No, no, 
I made a bad choice. I'm not a bad person. And so we need to differentiate the lies from the truth. And then we need to own what is true. Cain couldn't own what was true. He had failed in that instance. And instead of owning it, he projected it. But he could have owned it in that moment, like, sure. Yo, God, I didn't do my best. I didn't give you the honor that you deserve. I'm sorry. Help me. Help me to change this. Help me to be better at this. And the story could have ended very differently. We need to own what is ours to own. God gives grace to the humble. The Bible says that, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we, when we are prideful, God is actually against us. That's, it's, not like you're not, it's not working. But when we can be humble and say, hey, God, I was wrong. Or yes, I did this in this instance. Or this is my place. This is my part. What is, what is me in this situation and what is them? Differentiate and then own what is true. When we can own who we are, we become safe with ourselves. Our shortcomings, our insecurities, our limitations, our needs and desires. We become safe with ourselves. And it's not saying, well, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. This is me. No, it's saying, yo, this is who I am right now. I am somebody who struggles with insecurity. Wow, yo, that's horrible to say. I need people's approval. This is who I am right now. But God, help me to be who you want me to be, who you created me to be, secure, confident in you. Because our true identity is wrapped up in Jesus. It's in God, who he created us to be. But life has battered us. Life has bruised us. Every experience we've had, every rejection, every harsh word that's spoken, it's built walls up in our, in our hearts that, have, that are causing us to not be our true self. And so when we can ex accept that about ourselves, sure, okay, oh, I am struggling with this. Or oh, I need I don't want to need approval so much, but I'm in a space where I just, I just need approval all the time. I don't like that about myself. But God, this is who I am right now. When we can accept that, then we can, God can actually help us to become who he created us to be. And isn't that the point of Christianity, of our lives, is to become more like Jesus? And so this is one part of becoming more like Jesus. And so when we are ready to accept who we are now, then we're ready to take the next step, which is our second question. So first we're asking, what am I feeling? That's our part. Secondly, we're asking, God, what are you inviting me to? What are you inviting me to? Where are you wanting to lead me and guide me and help me to grow? Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, she says, my job in my journey was to figure out who I was, to stop and to process, to be alone, to see my responses and sit with the ugliness of what was inside me. So our role, our responsibility is just to get alone, to notice our responses, notice what's happening inside of us, and then sit with that, become comfortable with who we are right now honestly, who we honestly are. 
And then she says, it was only when I stopped trying to fix it and released it to God that he could do a work in me. It's not about fixing, it's about letting go. Letting go of old patterns that no longer serve me. And when I read this chapter in the book, I felt God's invitation to let go. I felt that God was inviting me to let go. You see, I, I have walls in my life. I, grew, I had to grow up way too quickly. By the age of 16, I had to support myself and my family. The person that was meant to be taking care of me, supporting me, loving me, was not. He was not there. And so I built up these walls thinking, like the narrative in my mind was, and not consciously, this is all subconsciously, I wasn't like, well, I'm gonna lock everyone out. It was subconscious. The narrative that life was feeding me was, yo, people are not trustworthy. People are gonna let you down. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be responsible for yourself. It's all on you. I have to be strong so that I can take care of me because I can't trust anyone else. I can't rely on other people. But now I'm in a marriage and those walls are still there and that narrative is still there. I can't trust anyone. I can't rely on anyone. I can't rely on Reese. Not consciously, but this is what was happening subconsciously. I have to take care of myself. And so walking the last six years with God in this, I started noticing these responses and these feelings and thinking, and I started asking myself, what am I feeling? What is going on? And it's been a journey of six or seven years where I've tried different things and I've, I've done the work of asking, what am I feeling? And figuring it out. And I got to a place where I was like, okay, I realize what the walls were. I realize where they come from. I realize the responses I can even see it in the moment. Like in the moment, he looks at me funny and I see that wall come up. Not really. He has to say, whatever he does, whatever that trigger is, that wall comes up and I can see it. I'm like, what? Well, there it is. Like there's that wall, but now how, like, how, do I, how do I get rid of this? And it, I got to a place of frustration where I was like, God, I can see it. I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm feeling. I know what's happening inside of me, but how do I change it? How do I change it? How do I stop that wall from coming down? And it was in this chapter where God invited me to let go. And those words, it's not about fixing, it's about letting go. Letting go of old patterns that no longer serve us. And I realized, I've been trying to fix this, but I don't need to fix me, I just need to get with Jesus. Like I just need to be in God's presence. And as I spent time with God, I started praying and I was like, God, I don't need these walls anymore. And she goes on in the book to explain, you actually need to acknowledge with God, you don't need, you're not a child. And I said it out loud, God, I'm not a child anymore. I don't need to protect myself. I don't need these walls. They don't belong in this relationship. They don't belong in my life right now. And so I started taking the walls down. God, I don't need these walls anymore. I am safe. I've had to repeat this over and over again to myself. Even in my relationship with Reese, I am safe. I am safe. And as I do that, I take the wall down. I am loved. I am deeply and completely loved by God. Even if Reese fails in that area, I am deeply and completely 
loved by God. It's in God that I find my security. God, it's in you that I can feel complete and I take it down. I am enough. I might not feel that all the time at work. I might not feel that all the time as a parent or as a friend. But God, in you, I am enough. God, your word says that I am chosen, that you chose me. So I might not be picked for the team. I might not be chosen for the promotion. But God, you have chosen me. And so I don't need, I don't need this wall anymore. You are fulfilling my deepest needs. God, you, my security, my hope, my safety comes from you. And we can dismantle these walls. And once we do that, everything changes. Because then our security is not in ourselves. Our security is not in our partner. Our security is not in our job or in our boss or in our friends. They don't have to make us feel loved, make us feel enough. Because we have that in Jesus. It's in our times with God, in God's presence, in prayer, in worship, in reading his word, where we actually build our foundation. And so then these blocks that we've taken off now actually become our foundation for the relationships going forward. I am loved. I am chosen. I am wanted. I am, I am liked. God delights in me. And now those are the foundation blocks that we can now build our relationships on. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is inviting us to come to him so that he can teach us how to live life from a place of contentment and security. He's saying, he's not saying I'm going to give you rest for your bodies. He's saying I'm going to give you rest for your souls. Those parts of that part of you that's uneasy, that's insecure, that's needy, that's feeling like a failure. Come, come to me. I'm going to teach you how to carry my yoke how to carry my burden, which is light. You don't have to do it all by yourself. You don't have to carry this. God is inviting you to come to him and to let go and to give him these things. And so what is God inviting you to this morning? I want to encourage you to stand as I close with a prayer. So you can stand I want to pray this prayer with you and for you and over you. I believe it encompasses everything that we've been speaking about this morning. And as we do that, I just want you to close your eyes. If you want, you can lift your hands up to God. Just open them as a a sign of surrender. Saying, God, I'm here. God, I'm available for you to do what you want to in my heart. And I want you to ask him, God, what are you inviting me to? Are there any patterns, walls, protective measures in place that I don't even know about? God, show us what are you inviting us to hand over to you 
this morning. Oh God, gather me to be with you as you are with me. Keep me in touch with myself. Keep keep me in touch with myself, with my needs, my anxieties, my angers, my pains, my corruptions, that I may claim them as my own rather than blame them on someone else. Oh Lord, deepen my wounds into wisdom. Shape my weaknesses into compassion. Gentle my envy into enjoyment. My fear into trust. My guilt into honesty. Oh God, gather me to be with you as you are with me.